Welcome to the Journey Home Podcast. Life is full of twists and turns, and sometimes we get stuck or lost along the way. Our desire is to be a friend and resource to anyone who needs a little wisdom, advice, or encouragement on their journey. But most of all, we want you to know you're not alone. So without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Journey Home Podcast, and we are continuing in our series out of the book of Galatians. Um, And last week I shared out of the first 15 verses of chapter 5. And this week I actually want to stay on the very same passage because I just have more thoughts, you know, uh, to share about it. It's such a rich uh, section of scripture. Um, You know, there's there's so much that we can unpack and so much that we can explore together. And so I just wanted to, before we move on, just take one more episode to share some additional thoughts um, and specifically on this topic of freedom, which I think is a huge theme of this letter. And I I would say it's a huge theme of scripture overall. Um, But yeah, just wanted to share some more thoughts on freedom in Christ. Okay, so. So here's the thing with freedom. It's such a it's such a huge topic, but it's it's complicated. It, it requires nuance. It requires understanding. Um, and I shared last week how our tendency is to gravitate toward legalism or lawlessness, which are two extremes. But I think neither of them are what God truly intended for us, and neither of them are true freedom. I'm sure for some people, lawlessness feels like true freedom, but actually it's not because um, you're being deceived into, you know, continuing to sin. And there is no freedom in sin, though it might feel free. I think that's one of the great deceptions of sin is that it it sounds good in theory. It's like you can you're doing whatever you want. You know, you're not bound by anyone's archaic religious rules. Right. But um but lawlessness is not doesn't actually lead to true freedom. Ironically, it leads to more bondage. Um, and so, again, it's legalism isn't the way, but also lawlessness isn't the way. Um, but the reason I think we tend to gravitate toward one of those two extremes is because we actually can't really wrap our minds around freedom, right? Like because I, I think for, that happens for a number of reasons, but we just can't get it because it's it's just so different than what we're used to it's so different from what we're experiencing and what we see in most of the people around us even in the church sadly Um, but god is you know he desires for us to be free again it's for freedom christ set us free and you know, he wants our, us to have a real relationship with him that isn't marked by performance, that isn't marked by um, ungodly striving or earning. Now, you know, there is godly striving and earning, but it's not um, to earn our acceptance or to earn our place, right? He wants our relationship to be built upon his love, his grace, his character, his work, what he has done for us in Christ, you know, and He wants us to have that real relationship with him and a relationship that is marked by freedom. Um, And again, we, as we said last week, you know, freedom doesn't mean you can do whatever you want, but it means that, um, you know, your, your motivation to be holy or your motivation to obey his commandments, it isn't to keep your standing or to keep your place in his 
family or in his heart, right? Like you don't have to earn your place. You know, he's already fully embraced you. He's already fully accepted you. And so it's a relationship that is marked by freedom. That's his desire. And yet, you know, I think so few of us, you know, and myself included, I think we we walk in it consistently, right? But here's the amazing thing. And maybe this is another way you can think about it, but it's like God is so, he's not controlling, right? If there was one person being in the universe that maybe should be a little more controlling, we could argue, right? Like maybe it's God, you know, um, because he's perfect. He knows everything. Maybe he should control us a little more, right? But he doesn't. He actually doesn't control us. I know a lot of people might think God is controlling, but but really think about it, right? Like, he doesn't control you. He gives you the freedom to make your own choices. Now, of course, he warns you, he teaches you, he leads you, he, you know, he does all those things. But he doesn't ever force you um, to choose the right thing, right? And that's why all of us, you know, there's so much sin in the world and in our lives because we have that freedom to choose, Um and it's funny, you know, if God was, you know, we're just never satisfied, right, as human beings. If God was more controlling, we would accuse him of being too controlling. But sometimes we, we almost wish that he was a little more controlling because it's like, oh, God, why did you let me do that? Well, you know, why didn't you stop me, right, or something like that. But the reason he didn't is because he is committed to your freedom. He is not controlling. Um, he lets us grow and grow up and make mistakes and learn from our mistakes and and yeah the tragic consequence of that is we do have the freedom to sin if that's what we choose and of course there are consequences to it but my point here is that um, we have that freedom because he's not controlling you know and so god desires for us to take that freedom that he's given us to take all the good things that he's given us you know most of all his grace and use that to grow up use that to mature into um you know a mature bride without spot or wrinkle you know someone who loves him um, with all of our heart soul mind and strength the same way that he loves us with all of his heart soul mind and strength right um you know one of the great you know, debates, uh, you know, theological debates, you know, in Christianity is sovereignty versus free will, right? Like, um, you know, is God fully sovereign or is it, does it depend on our will? And I know this is going to sound like a cop-out, but I fully believe a hundred percent in both. I believe God's fully sovereign, but I also believe he does give us choices and, you know, somehow he governs the universe in such a way that, he remains sovereign while not violating our free will. And yeah, you can accuse me of, of you know, just copping out there. But like, I actually believe that's true. And I'm not pretending I understand fully how that all works. But, you know, again, I, I fully believe that God um, is sovereign. But that's not the same thing as being controlling, right? Like, that is a difference. But at the same time, I believe he doesn't violate our free will he gives us the dignity to choose he gives us the ability to choose and there's a real responsibility that comes with that but um, he doesn't ever take that away from us you know um, so that's just my my first 
thought uh, out of or additional thought, I guess, out of this this um, this section of the letter is is God is just so not controlling. You know, I, I just think that's so incredible. Um, think about how tempting it is to control, right? Like I'm sure you've encountered in your life people who are controlling. Maybe it was your parents, maybe it was a boss, teacher, a coach, a leader, maybe even a pastor. Maybe you're tempted or you are um, that controlling person, parent, friend, spouse, whatever, you know. Um, and it, it's so tempting to control things, you know, out of, you know, because to control circumstances or control how other people think or how, control how other people feel or you know like we we all try to exercise control in some way and you know again uh, there's a distinction between you know good parenting good leadership you know um and control you can be a good parent a good leader without being controlling right um but i just think it's so incredible that god would choose to would be so committed to freedom to our freedom um, to the degree that he doesn't control us. I just, I don't know. I just think that's pretty amazing. Okay. So that's my first thought. Um, my second thought is just, um, how toxic, um, legalism is, or you could even say religion. And, and I, of course I mean religion in, in a more negative sense. I don't think religion is inherently a good or bad word you know um, there is a true religion that the bible talks about right but i mean when i say religion i just mean like more like religiosity like like the idea that if you you know look right talk right act right then then you're then you're finally good enough for god right then you're finally holy and that is not the gospel but the sad thing is so many people think it is but um but again, the point that I'm trying to share right now is just, you know, again, as I'm rereading this letter and meditating on it, um, I'm just struck by how toxic uh, religiosity is, how toxic legalism is. I mean, it's just interesting that, you know, the the theme in this letter that Paul is is taking such pains to warn the believers, the Christians in Galatia about, it's not lawlessness and sin though of course those that is also very dangerous but it's just amazing how what he's warning them about is putting their trust in obeying god's law as the basis of our righteousness right so just to be clear and this is where it needs we really do need to be nuanced here there is nothing wrong with wanting to obey god's law if you're doing it because you love him, if you're doing it because he's already forgiven you and saved you, if you're doing it as a response to him because you love him out of gratitude for the fact that he has already saved you in Christ, then that's fantastic. There is nothing wrong with that, with wanting to obey the law. But where it gets tricky and where it gets twisted is when we do it because we think he won't accept us if we don't. He won't accept us unless we are doing it perfectly, right? Like when that becomes the basis of our relationship, then it's all out of whack. And it's just amazing, like the language Paul uses. He says in verse two, you know, he says, I'm telling you, if you let yourself get circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. 
And then he says it again in verse 3. If you get circumcised, again, because you think that that's your righteousness, right? Then you are, you're obligated to obey the whole law. And then he says, you are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. So again, it's just amazing to me because we could easily see how someone who is just living a lawless existence, right? Someone who's just taking the grace of God, but using that as a justification to just keep on sinning and just living however they want. We can easily see how that person is falling away from grace, right? And alienating themselves from Christ. But it's not always easy to see how the self-righteous person is alienating himself from Christ and falling from grace, how the one who's putting their trust um, in their own righteousness is falling away from grace. Because on the outside, that person looks like they're doing pretty good, right? I think ultimately the fruit will, will show itself because, you know, again, if you live under that legalism, and you live under this weight of constantly having to earn your place before God, like eventually I think that breaks down and I think the fruit of your life will show, right? But up until a certain point though, and before that breakdown happens, um, it's hard to tell. That person looks like they're doing pretty good, right? And so um, again, I'm just so struck by how toxic um, religion can be. Um, and sadly, you know, I think many people believe that's what God wants for us and God expects from us. But again, it's not. It's for freedom. Christ set us free. He wants us to be free, to have a loving relationship with him. Um, that's what he desires for us. And so that's my second um, thought out of this passage. And then my final thought is just I'm so struck by how communal biblical Christianity is. And I'm thinking of it mostly because um, I, I heard a podcast this week and they were talking about how, um, you know, how Christianity in the in the United States, because we're such an individualistic society, um, we really, you know, without realizing it, apply that. Um, that framework to our faith too. And so Western Christianity also tends to be very individualistic. Um, But I'm just, and you know, of course there are individual aspects to our faith for sure. There's no doubt about that in my mind. But I think a lot of times we fail to understand how um, communal (laughs) our faith is meant to be. And, um, in this particular passage, uh, the verse that makes me think about that is verse 13. It says, for you were called to be free, but only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. So that's what we're called to. It's not just living a holy life and doing the right thing uh, on a personal and individual level. But it's also serving one another. Paul's point is if you if you are truly experiencing the freedom that that Christ died to give us, then you're going to serve your neighbor in love. You're going to love your neighbor as yourself. And then in verse 15, he actually gives us the opposite. If we fail to do that, here's what happens. If you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. 
and so we will we are going to end up doing one or the other we're going to either walk in that freedom and then use that freedom to love our neighbor or we're going to not walk in that freedom and we're going to end up destroying one another um and so again i'm just so struck by um how our faith is meant to be lived out in community among our neighbor and yes even among our enemies and and we'll talk about that more as we get into verse uh sorry chapter six um but our faith really is meant to be um communal it's we are meant to live out our faith in community and you know i'll i'm guessing that for a lot of us western christians that is a challenge that feels foreign in many ways we just don't we weren't raised to think that way um and so yeah these are my just additional thoughts out of uh, the first half of chapter five um hope that it was helpful to you but again it's for freedom christ set us free and just as paul urged the church at that time and his words continue to speak to us today let us contend for that freedom it's not a freedom where we just say i get to do whatever i want and it's all about my own personal liberties and my own rights but it's about um us laying our lives down for one another, laying our lives down for our neighbor. That's actually true freedom in his kingdom. Might not make sense, but his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And sometimes his ways seem backwards or upside down um, to the things of the world. But just remember um, that what this world esteems, often God despises. And, and the opposite is also true. What God despises, many times this world esteems. And so um, just because our American Western culture has taught us certain things, that doesn't mean that God approves of it, right? It doesn't mean that God, that's exactly the same. And, you know, freedom is a big concept in, for sure, our this country, the United States. And, um you know, I think it's sometimes tempting to think that when we see that word freedom in the scripture, it's the same thing that's in our constitution. And there might be some overlap, but it's not always the same thing. And so I think, again, it really, um, it's really important for us as believers to understand what biblical freedom really is and what it isn't. And so, yeah, I hope these thoughts have helped you. Um, we'll move on to the last half of chapter five next week, but, um, until then, uh, God bless you, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us for today's podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a rating and review, and we'd be especially honored if you would pass along the podcast or recommend it to a friend. Before we sign off, I just wanted to mention one of the most popular services we offer, which is coaching for individuals and couples. So on this podcast, we're able to share biblical truth, practical wisdom, but we're speaking on in very broad terms. That's just the nature of the medium, right? Uh, but what coaching allows us to do is to get into the specifics of your story or your situation and apply these principles in a more focused way. And while we can't promise that we'll always find a solution or resolution, many times we've found that it's helpful for people just to have someone to listen and process life with. Sometimes that's actually what we need the most. Um, so if that sounds appealing and you're still not quite sure, we even offer a free 30-minute session for new clients. That's a great way to try out coaching with no financial obligation. 
Um, you can find more information about coaching or our other services at our website, thejourneyhome.global. And finally, if you want to connect with us, you can email us, you can connect by social media. All of the links to our accounts are in the show notes below. We truly love hearing from you, and we promise we actually will read and respond to your emails or social media interactions. Um, so thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.